welcome in Sharpening the Edge podcast, where today we are picking bowl games. Uh, part two for part one, we picked all of the bowl games through tomorrow. Uh, you can go back and watch uh, part one. And then we are going to start with the games uh, that will be played Thursday, uh, December the 28th. And we have 17 of those that will take you through New Year's Day. So we do all of that. I think that makes sense to you. But we also will start, uh, we'll pick the Detroit Lions, who clinched the NFC North for the first time in 30 years. You may have heard that. And we welcome in Lucas Rimey, part of the Maze and Blue Review staff. He's locked and loaded and ready to make some picks. Lucas, how are you? Doing well. Uh, 10 and 8 so far in the bull picks, obviously not including today or tomorrow. So not a bad start. Uh, I did start off 4-0, though, and then quickly the next four games went back to 4-4 four four, uh, immediately. So just trying to stay above that 500 pick. Uh, that mark in bowls is it's a di- really difficult thing to do. There's so many opt-outs and transfers and coaching changes. There's just so much you have to keep track of in bowl situations that you don't normally during the regular season. So, so it's a much more difficult time to bet. Uh, but if you really do pay attention to like everything on a very granular level, uh, I do think you can get some edges um, in the in the details there. So, so yeah, ten and eight so far is uh, pretty good on those and the. Slate this week is the the more bigger games, more notable games, so a lot more interesting to talk about and discuss. So ready to get yeah. to it. And I predict that I'm going to do a lot better in this part too. I went through and and I'm under 500. A couple games under 500. You can go back and watch it, and you know you can listen and see all of my picks there. But you know it's it's to me in my own defense. You know I was looking at him and saying, look, I watched a little bit of Georgia tech against Georgia this year, maybe the first quarter of that game. I watched uh, a little bit of the second half of Duke uh, against Notre Dame. I watched Utah a couple different times, but not an entire game. That's it out of all of the games that I was picking. So uh, for me, I like to actually watch a team. Sure. You're looking at the scores. You see how it plays out. You're looking at all of the other uh, kind of things that go into it, the analytics and everything. So well, I do feel bad. I like to be above 100, 500. I don't feel that bad. So having said that, I am going to kick things off with a, a Lions prediction, and they're taking on the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are favored by six and a half. Detroit beats Minnesota. Dallas loses uh, at Miami to the Dolphins. Now Detroit travels down to the Big D to take on the Cowboys, and uh, Dallas is favored by – Six and a half points. Now, you know, home field, you know, that's where the Lions, they're going to have it and they're going to finish no worse than uh, pick number three. Now, they could still get the number one seed. That's a slim chance that they're able to do that, but they do have a chance. Meanwhile, the, the Cowboys look like a great team at home and they're pretty much locked into playing on the road. I, you know, this is a tough spot. I don't like to give up like um, that many points to the lions. You know, I kind of feel like, yeah, why would it should be like three and a half. I would take the lions. It's because Dallas is a, a great home team and you know, they're going to be a lot more motivated. And for this, there's really nothing against the lions. They're pretty much locked in, like I said. So that's why I will lay the six and a half and take the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I'm getting, uh, so you talked about it. Uh, Cowboys are a lot better at home, but I've mentioned it all year. The Lions, Jared Goff in particular, is much better inside or in a warm environment. So obviously playing 
down in Jerry World in Dallas, I'm not really fearing uh, being on the road so much because it will still be in a dome, which Jared Goff plays much better in. Uh, I think the defense for the Lions still has issues. And I think asking them to go on the road against a good Cowboys team who's been really hot, especially lately, and win this game, I think is asking too much. Uh, but I, I do think they can keep it within six here. I have this as a 31 to 27 Cowboys win. So I'll take the Lions uh, to cover that uh, by a couple points there. All right. We start on the opposite sides. That's uh, no surprise. Well, let's dive into these bowl games. And the first one that starts on Thursday is what they call the Fenway Bowl. Well, it's being played in Boston. We kind of understand that. SMU against uh, the hometown BC Eagles. Uh, the Mustangs, a big 10-point favorite. How do you look at this one? Yeah, this one's kind of tough to iron out, like, exactly why these teams are playing each other, at least personally, because SMU was – they were, like, right on the edge of going to a New Year's Six Bowl. They went 10-2 and, and in the regular season. They won the AAC uh, to finish at 11-2, and two, and Liberty got the uh, nod over them, undefeated Liberty, but uh, Liberty played – uh, like the best team they played all year, I think was Bowling Green. Um, and that's not a joke. That's literally the best team they played all year. Um, so SMU is kind of frustrated with not getting that New Year's Six Bowl bid despite playing uh, better against a more talented conference. And then Boston College on the other side, six and six overall, only three and five and kind of a not great a ACC. Um, so I think SMU is just a better team here. I think with the feeling of them being a little bit slighted by the committee, I think they're going to be motivated as well. Uh, no huge opt-outs, at least on the skill side on offense, but they're more of an offensive team. So I will take the SMU Mustangs to cover that 10 points. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, BC, they're at home, and it is at Fenway Park, so it's an interesting uh, venue. The weather's interesting uh, as well. As everybody knows, it's unseasonably warm in the north. It would, I might feel a little bit different about this. If we were talking about, you know, game time temps in the 20s, that's not going to be the case. Stay tuned to that with some of the other picks here. And, yeah, BC is just not that good of a team, so I'll lay the 10 points as well. I don't like laying that many, but I am going to do it. Here's uh, an interesting one as well on Thursday. You've got uh, Rutgers taking on the U. I, you know, I hate both of these teams, really, so it's hard to, you know, say you like one of them. Tyler Van Dyke, he is off to Madison. He is going to be the quarterback next year for the Wisconsin Badgers. And then you have Bag U, Miami. They are promising the moon and the stars and as much money as anybody wants in NIL. How could you root for them? Uh, the Knights are favored by one. But you know what? Uh, you know, And that's a home game. They'll be playing in the pinstripe bowl. Immediately, if I thought the temperatures were going to be in the 20, 20s, I would pick Rutgers in this one, but it's going to be in the 40s. So even the U, I know they'll be all bundled up and acting like it's, you know, uh, 20 below zero. But I, I got to take bag U and take the, the Canes in this one, despite them, you know, just getting a point here. I'll go with the U. I am going to lean Rutgers here just slightly. Uh, like I said, one point spread there. Both teams have a bunch of opt outs, transfer portal. Miami in particular is missing both of their starting safeties. Um, so even though Rutgers has kind of struggled the football all year, struggled to throw the football, um, Miami's two best safeties being out, I think might mean Rutgers has a little bit more success through the air than you might typically expect uh, in a matchup between these two teams. 
And one of the safeties for Miami is like a borderline first round pick, uh, top 100 pick for sure in the NFL draft. He's a stud. Um, Cameron Kitchens there is going to be an impact player in the NFL. Uh, so I think they're going to miss him in that secondary. I think they're going to be able to have enough enough success throwing the ball to kind of keep Miami's defense off balance. Um, and Miami's offense on the other side, down to their third string quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, like you mentioned, Trent Ranger, Wisconsin. Backup Emery Williams got hurt towards the end of the regular season. He is still out for this game. Their star wide receiver uh, just announced the other day he's going to transfer to Georgia. Uh, just a lot of key pieces out for Miami. Uh, if they're playing in the regular season, this would be like a six or seven point spread in favor of Miami. Uh, but given all the opt-outs, everything that's going on at both of these programs, uh, in this particular game, uh, with who's actually going to be on the field, I'll just take Rutgers uh, barely. But not not super confident in it, but I, I do lean Rutgers there. Okay, that gets us to the, the Pop-Tart Bowl down in Orlando. I like Pop-Tarts. I never hoped they would host their own bowl game. The, what do you got? The Wolfpack and the Wildcats, NC State and Kansas State. Kansas State favored by two and a half. How did you handicap this game? Yeah, I'm going to roll Kansas State here. I'll take them and play that two and a half. Will Howard started quarterback there for most of the year at Kansas State. He kind of struggled midway through the season, was replaced by a younger. Um, a lot of people consider him more talented. He's younger kind of the future of the program there for the Wildcats and Avery Johnson. He's a dual threat guy, really good athlete, um, particularly running the football. So yes, like technically, if you look at it, like on paper, Kansas State's losing their starting quarterback, but Avery Johnson's going to be the guy for them going into next season and beyond. So it's kind of like a J.J. McCarthy, Cade McNamara type dynamic there, if you will. Um, there's 33 total opt-outs in this game as well. So they're just guys missing all over the field. Um, NC States are a little bit more concerning to me in terms of like their contributions to the current team. MJ Morris is their talented younger quarterback. And instead of sticking around uh, to be the starter for them into the future, he decided to leave, enter the portal. Sounds like Maryland might be his future destination. They also are missing their best defensive tackle uh, in the portal in, in a 3-3-5 scheme, which they run there at NC State on defense. Uh, it's really, really important to run defense. Uh, to have a good defensive tackle there, plugging things up in the middle. And without him missing or without him playing in this game, uh, I just I think Kansas State's going to be able to run the ball successfully, particularly with the quarterback um, and Avery Johnson. I think they're going to be able to keep moving the chains against a Wolfpack defense that's missing a bunch of key players. So uh, I really like Kansas State to cover this two and a half point picks, two and a half point spreads, and it's uh, one of my more confident picks. So I like the Wildcats in this one. Well, I hate that you say that because I'm going to the other side. And despite the defections that I have the Wolfpack as the 11th best team in power five defense and expected points per play, how does that factor in with the uh, the guys that are in the portal and everything else? I don't know, but I, they still have some pieces over there. And uh, I think they're going to win the game outright. So we are totally on the out, out, opposite side in the Pop-Tart Bowl. Let's go to a very interesting game, and this is the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio. You have Arizona, who won their last six games against Oklahoma, and normally you just push the button with Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel, though, he is off to Eugene. He's going to be the quarterback at uh, Oregon. Uh, they do have a five-star QB. He was one of the guys you follow recruiting, and Jackson Arnold, he's just sitting there, right? Uh, and, you know, he's going to start the era there for the Sooners. So that's intriguing. But, you know, Jed Fish's team, you know, they're not missing as many players as the Sooners. 
And they've been, I don't know if that disrespected, they hadn't done anything the last two years. Great comeback season. I mentioned they won six in a row. I'm just riding with them. I, I, I like the Wildcats here. And uh, um, I'll lay the three points. People will be like, wow, that's a weird one. No, Arizona's a good football team. Uh, the surprise team of the season caps it off with a victory in the Alamo Bowl. Fight you on this one as well. We got a lot of different picks here, so it should be <laughs> entertaining. <laughs> I'm going to take Oklahoma plus the three. Uh, Arizona's missing a couple of their best defenders in the portal, uh, best uh, corner, and their best edge rusher as well, both NFL players uh, off to the NFL early, uh, missing this game. And just kind of looking at the depth and the depth charts, I'm just not as confident that Arizona has the type of guys to be able to step up and replace the guys that they are going to be missing. Uh, you mentioned Jackson Arnold. I'm a big believer in Jackson Arnold, former five-star. Played a little bit this year, kind of sparingly. And it kind of sounds like reading the tea leaves here that they basically told Gil and Ga- Dylan Gabriel, you can stick around and stay here uh, at Oklahoma if you want to next year, but we're going to hand the keys of the offense over to Jackson Arnold because they believe in him that much. Um, so, yeah, like, again, it's like the on paper, they lose the starting quarterback, but it's, it really sounds like they were they're kind of pushing Gabriel out the door, allowing him to go start elsewhere if he wanted to, uh, rather than coming back to be the backup to Arnold uh, at Oklahoma. I really take that as a good sign. Um, for the team that's transitioning from a veteran quarterback who might not have quite as high of a ceiling um, and shifting to the younger quarterback who might be more talented. I really like that. Um, so I'm going to roll with the Sooners there. Uh, Three-point dogs, I think they're going to win outright. So I'll take the Sooners. We have not been on the same page yet. Let's go to Friday. This Friday, December the 29th, a slew of games, and it starts uh, at noon down in Jacksonville. And the long-running Gator Bowl. Who do you like between Clemson and Kentucky with the Tigers being favored by four points? Honestly, this this is a really tough game for me to predict. Uh, All year, I've really struggled to figure out where this Clemson team fits exactly. My numbers, analytics, and stuff, if you look at them, a lot of them still have them as a top 15 team in the country. But they never, like if you watch them in the regular season, they obviously never performed up to that level. Obviously, uh, eight and four record there. They lost to pretty much all the better teams they played. Uh, and then, in another surprising move, they lost two of their best players on defense um, Toriano Pride, cornerback transferring to Missouri. Their safety, uh, Andrew Makuba, is in the portal as well. Uh, both of those could have gone to the NFL, and they're opting to play their college seasons elsewhere instead of going to the NFL, which is uh, a little interesting there, but obviously those two players just don't have the same level of belief in coming back to Clemson. Um, and I think in particular, that defense has just not looked, it's just dropped off a level since uh, Brent Venables left for Oklahoma. Dabo last year off season, he tried to make the splashy coordinator hire with Garrett Riley coming over from TCU. The offense just never really clicked for him this year. It's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of a mix of Dabo maybe having his finger on the offense a bit, uh, kind of keeping Garrett Riley's up-tempo um, scheme kind of more on the tracks of what he wants the offense to look like as well as the current players there just not being a good fit for what Garrett Riley really wants to do uh, and then on the other side Ray Davis sounds like he's going to play for Kentucky he's their star running back one of the more important players um, so just having just not a lot of confidence in what Clemson really is um, this year and even into the future um, I'm just going to take Kentucky here uh, plus the four but I don't feel great about it um, I had Kentucky winning this game 27 to 24. So I'll take the plus four points. I agree with you. I think Kentucky's going to win this game outright. You mentioned the running back for the Wildcats. I've liked him 
all year long. And to be able to get four when I think that Kentucky's going to win it outright made it a real easy selection. This one, I can't wait for you to go through all of the names that are in the transfer portal in the Sun Bowl. I think there's more players in the – you really need a scorecard because Jonathan Smith is off to East Lansing, and, and most of the players are gone too. Notre Dame, all the recognizable names. I'm like, you know, I'm going to take Notre Dame. Oh, he's gone. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Gone, 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 gone. All of them are gone. Uh, Notre Dame's got a really good run defense statistically, but, you know, when it comes down, I like going with name recognition and a guy I think that's the best player out there, and it's going to come down to me to the Beavers running back, Damian Martinez, and I'm getting six points. So give me Oregon State and the six points with Damian Martinez, the OSU running back being the difference. Fight you on this one again, but I, this one I do not feel very confident in because of what you're mentioning there. All the players uh, missing this game for both teams, like you mentioned, Jonathan Smith going over to MSU. He takes his star quarterback uh, recruit, Aiden Childs, is going to follow him to East Lansing. DJ Uyungle also in the portal. Sounds like might be Florida State or Miami as his future destination. A uh, whole bunch of players uh, on defense and offense for both teams. In particular, Notre Dame's offensive line is down at least two players, might be a third uh, or possibly a fourth by the time the game actually kicks off. And I saw a stat uh, this week that Notre Dame hasn't won a New Year's Six Bowl in like 30 years. Um, obviously not a New Year's Six Bowl here, but I just thought that was an interesting uh, thing to note. I'm just going to take them uh, just because I think they still will be motivated, even though they're missing a bunch of guys. They just made a really good offensive coordinator hire. I wanted to mention as well, still uh, – LSU offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock um, leading one of the better offenses there for the Tigers um, coming back to Notre Dame. He's been in Notre Dame previously. I think Marcus Freeman really wants to make sure that his program is trending upwards instead of downwards. Uh, I think a win in this bowl game would help them uh, to kind of start the offseason on a positive note uh, in addition to riding that momentum of making the really good offensive coordinator hire last week. I'm going to take the Irish 24 to 13 here, but don't really have a great feel to be totally honest with you on that game just because so many guys are missing for both teams. So that's kind of just a stab in the dark. Well, let's uh, have you take a stab at this one, and that is the Liberty Bowl. You have a 9-3 Memphis team taking on a 7-5 and Iowa State team. Is it the Cyclones are favored by a big number here at 10, and this is a game that is going to be played in Memphis. So you got the home team getting 10 points. Which way did you lean in this one, in the Liberty Bowl? Uh, I was going to take Memphis in the points, really just the numbers play here. My numbers said, had this at seven. Um, so I haven't watched much of Memphis all year. Um, I've only watched one or two games of Iowa State. Uh, I watched them in one, one of the games I watched them, it was like a complete blizzard uh, late in the year. I also watched them play Texas. Uh, and then just not really having a great feel for either team, just kind of just relying on the numbers here kind of speak for me in this one neither team really has a glaring amount of hot doubts either so i think it'll play kind of true to form true to their projection here so cyclones win but i have this at 27 to 20 so i will take the memphis uh to cover that 10 there i agree with you it wouldn't surprise me if memphis wins this game outright but i'll take the 10 points with the memphis being at home in the liberty pool you know, last round, I picked two games just to was the outright rooting for them. I didn't dive into the numbers, any analytics, anything else. And this is kind of the case in the Cotton Bowl. 
And Ohio State, I didn't really want to dive into Ohio State and be like, oh, this is what I like about Ohio State. I like Missouri. I mean, for Missouri, this is a, and, and I'm rooting for Missouri. And if Missouri was able to, it's going to mean more for Missouri to get a Cotton Bowl victory. This would be like almost winning a championship for the Tigers uh, to be able to go and beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. That's why, uh, and we know Ohio State has lost a lot. I'm going to take Missouri to win this game, and this is more of a a rooting interest in that. I I just don't want to say anything nice about OSU. So I'll take U of M over OSU. Yeah, I mean, even if you did look into this game, there's really just not a whole lot of information to be gleaned anyways, to be totally honest with you. So far, not a lot of Buckeyes have announced that they're going to be sitting out of this one in terms of like NFL draft entrance. They have had a bunch of guys enter the portal, but none of them are like star, huge impact players. But as it gets closer to kickoff, I do expect a handful of the Buckeyes' more important players will ultimately decide to sit out, and it'll be announced kind of later on um, as a team. I think they're going to do it later uh, just to kind of show respect to the guys that will be playing in this game. And obviously, Kyle McCord in the portal off to Syracuse. Devin Brown's going to get the nod here at quarterback for the Buckeyes. He's a little bit more mobile. Um, if you listen to Ohio State fans on Twitter, they're convinced he's like going to win the Heisman next year. I don't buy into that hype because he did get beat out by Devin Brown, or excuse me, by Kyle McCord in the quarterback competition this year. And he didn't exactly like the world on fire. Uh, it sounds like, based on what I could pick up, um, they went with McCord because they relied on him more to protect the football. So Devin Brown might be a more mobile, more explosive version of quarterback for them at Ohio State, but McCord might have been a lot better at protecting the football. Um, so then you kind of look at Missouri, on the other hand, had a really good year. Cody Schrader at running back, in particular, uh, was a D2 transfer. It was the, ended up being one of the best players, um, one of the best offensive players in the entire SEC at running back there for Mizzou. really got rolling uh, partway through the year there when he started to hit his stride. Their defense was pretty good as well. Uh, it's just so hard to predict. Uh, with, with not actually knowing who's going to be playing here for Ohio State. Um, but based on what we know now, I, I expect Marvin Harrison to opt out. I expect Igbuka and Travion to play. Um, so based on that information, just kind of assuming, kind of have to make assumptions there. Um, sounds like a lot of the more important defenders are going to play as well. I'm going to take the Buckeyes here uh, at minus one, but don't feel great about it because you don't actually know uh, who for sure is going to play in this game. I'll predict that Maserati Marv is uh, sitting this one out and thinking about the, the NFL, but you're right. If a lot of big nine players, just you talking about them, that could be in their household names. Uh, all right. That will now take us to the peach bowl. This is a nice game. Ole Miss, Penn state, Nittany Lions. I got that good defense favored by three and a half, really good run defense. And we know that Ole Miss likes to run the football. How did you handicap this game? Yeah, so this is a really intriguing matchup, uh, at least for me personally. You have Penn State, and on one hand, it's the great defense that we saw all year and kind of a mediocre-ish offense uh, that struggled to move the football against better teams. They played on their schedule, and then Ole Miss is kind of like the very opposite of that, where they have a pretty good dynamic offense, uh, both Quinshawn Judkins at running back, and um, at quarterback, they had a good player as well, a couple good receivers, um, and then kind of looking at the departures, um, Olu Fushano for uh, Penn State, their left tackle, is not going to play. Chab Robinson not going to play. Both possible first-round picks there for Penn State. I do think both teams will be fairly motivated to win this one. It's a big bowl game. 
both of the teams kind of felt like they they missed out on what could have been a bigger 2023 and based on who's slated to come back for them uh, could set up a big 2024 if they win this game um, and they are very different on paper and typically when you have teams that have like a team that wants to run tempo and a team that wants to go slow and play good defense usually it favors the the team that's more defensive uh, but it's it, without many Diaz there off of um, off tees off to uh, Duke there um, it's going to be really hard to predict how like how much drop off Penn State's defense is going to have. So I will take Ole Miss um, plus the four there, mostly because Manny Diaz will be gone. They're going to have a new play caller there on offense, uh, on defense. And I trust Ole Miss's offense uh, a lot more than I trust the Nittany Lion offense. Uh, but I think it'll be a really good game. I'm just going to lean Ole Miss a little bit. I think they're, I have them winning this game 28 to 27. Yeah, I like Penn State's uh, running backs and I like their defense. And it looks like, uh, Mark and Mark and GMA are agreeing with me. I'm taking Penn State and I'm laying the three and a half points in the Peach Bowl. Oh, this is a good game here. It could have been a great game. Music City Bowl, Auburn and Maryland. No Talia for the Terps. That's disappointing. You'd love to see him play in a bowl game. And then he looked a little deeper. No Talia. They're starting tight end. Uh, two of the fine defensive backs not playing either for Maryland. And then the great Jay Sean Barnum at linebacker is in the transfer portal, and he's in Ann Arbor. All of that adds up to me as Auburn wiping the field with uh, a shell of a Maryland team. Give me the Tigers. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Neither team was particularly impressive throughout the year. Uh, Maryland is just so hit or miss on what they can be on any given day. And we really haven't seen what Maryland's offense looks like under Mike Loxley there without Talia Tegavailoa. Um, so I lean Auburn here, uh, minus the seven. Peyton Thorne sounds like we'll be playing. Might even be back as their starting quarterback next year. So they're going to want him uh, to get as comfortable as they possibly can. Winning a bowl game like this uh, might help them to set up a better 2024 um, than it was for them in 2023. Maryland, by the sounds of it also, they might play two different quarterbacks. They don't really have a that back up there. So not really sure what they're going to be doing um, at the most important position on the field. So there's just more certainty in my opinion here on the Auburn side. Um, so I'm going to take them uh, to cover that seven points. The, Oh, what could have been bowl. And that is the orange bowl An undefeated Florida state team just announced that their backup quarterback, <clears throat> everyone knows they lost their starting quarterback, <clears throat> excuse me, their backup quarterback, He's transferring their great running back. He's headed to the pros. A handful of other players have uh, opted out of this game as well. So much so that Georgia is up to a 16 and a half point favorite. I don't know. I'll just tell everybody you can't bet this game, but I'd love to hear your analysis uh, on it. I'm Let's hear it. Yeah. So there's 38 opt outs by my count uh, that I've been able to pick up so far. You might as well call this the opt-out bowl. Like almost half the rosters of these two teams are missing essentially in this game. So it's 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 a very different team than we've seen from both of them uh, through much of the regular season. But both teams, they also can make an argument that they should have made the playoffs. Both teams certainly have tried to express their their opinions on that. Um, but with neither team looking like we're dead really all year, uh, it's it's kind of a hard game to project. Uh, like you were mentioning there. Carson Beck sounds like he's going to play. He's kind of leaning back to coming to Georgia. 
again next year jordan travis obviously for florida state still hurt not gonna be able to go in this one i'm gonna go with the bulldogs here just slightly i have it at 35 to 17 uh no tate rodemaker at quarterback either for florida state so they're gonna be down to their third string again uh, it's the same guy you saw in that acc championship game i was not particularly impressed with anything he did and even though a lot of georgia bulldogs themselves are in the transfer portal i have more confidence that they have the depth um, to kind of um, sustain the level of success that they had through much of the regular season, much more so than the Florida State team. Um, so I will go with Georgia uh, just barely to cover that spread there. Yeah, me too. I mean, I want to take Florida State, but, uh, you know, at what point? <laughs> I mean, how many guys? I don't know any of the players. All the players that I like, I'm like, oh, I like for He's gone. Oh, I like that. He's gone. So it's just uh, I'm compelled to take Georgia. Uh, this was one of my favorite games of the second half in part two, and that's the Toledo Rockets out of the MAC going out to Tucson to take Wyoming on the Cowboys, favored by three and a half in the Arizona Bowl. This is Toledo's a pretty good team. You know, they lost their opener by two points at Illinois, and then they lost the MAC championship game, Miami, Ohio. All in between there, nothing but dubs, 11 wins in a row for Toledo. It's a pretty good football team. Everybody's there, veteran group. And I think that um, they're going to win this game outright, but I'll take the three and a half. Yeah, um, I. it's very, like you're mentioning there, it's a very intriguing matchup here. Both teams sound like they're going to be pretty close to full strength. The biggest um, notable name not going to be playing in this game is no Daquan Finn there for Toledo, uh, their star quarterback. He is in the portal um, Craig Bull announced this week, uh, he's the coach there at Wyoming, uh, that he's going to be retiring. This is going to be his last game. So I'm kind of picking Wyoming on uh, win one for the head coach going out, um, try to get, try to win one in his last game, go out on a high note um, there for Craig Bull. We had a pretty good stretch there at Wyoming, uh, turned them into a respectable program when they were almost, you'd never hear of them uh, prior to his arrival. So I go uh, Wyoming there to win for the head coach. Win one for the Gipper, right? All right. Uh, okay, these are some now games to sink our teeth into. I'm going to leave this game, the Rose Bowl, for last for obvious reasons. So let's get to the undercard. How about Wisconsin and LSU? I'll let you take a spin at this one. LSU favored by... 10. This one seems to be a lot about the players that will not be in this game, but that's a heck of a lot of points to give up in the Relia Quest Bowl. I don't think this is the old Outback Bowl. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin also kind of had a disappointing year. You could argue LSU did as well. Uh, you, you know, they had the Heisman Trophy winner, obviously, Jaden Daniels, but they did only go 9-3 and three, despite having the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, their defense in particular was just horrendous for almost the entire year. Uh, their backup quarterback there for LSU is a guy that some people certainly believe in. Um, he hasn't really played. He hasn't like proved it on the field yet. So I'm a little uncertain of exactly how that's going to look. Uh, but with the overall talent level being so much better than Wisconsin's, in addition to Wisconsin, just I just don't think they've quite rounded into form of what Luke Fickle wants his Badgers teams to look like yet um, and maybe in year three and year four these programs are closer um, and it might be a more interesting game just with who is playing and stuff but in this one I will go LSU uh, to cover that 10 I have them winning 28 to 14 so I'll take the Tigers to cover that 10 points there 
Yeah, I will too. I think just uh, too much offense, even without their quarterback. Wisconsin hasn't done anything when you have seen them. Just even looking at the the, the box scores, nothing jumping out to say, okay, yeah, uh, first year Luke Fickle, let's uh, go. Let's go to the Fiesta Bowl. Interesting one. Liberty is undefeated, but if you look at the numbers, Conference USA is the worst out of all of the group of five conferences. They're bringing up the rear. I was going to say nothing against Liberty, but I guess that is something against Liberty when the group of five, they're, they're way down there. Meanwhile, Bo Nix is in. No Bucky Irvin and Troy Franklin, outstanding running back and wide receivers for the dog spot. Oregon's pretty stacked. I mean, they're this close to being, you know, uh, playing a little bit later in the day. And with uh, with Bo Nix as well, 17 and a half, I'd probably lay 20 and a half. Give me the Ducks in this game. Well, I'm with you on this one as well. Uh, I do like Jamie Chadwell. They're the head coach there at Liberty. Uh, their quarterback is kind of a toss-up if he's going to play or not. Um, he had a good year for them. He threw for 2,700 yards, 31 touchdowns, five picks. Um, but with his status being at the very least up in the air and in doubt, um, don't really feel anything super strong in this one just because the spread is so big. Uh, but I do like the depth of Oregon despite missing all those best players uh, with Bo Nix coming back. I think he's going to want to end his Oregon career on a high note. I think he'll be pretty motivated to perform well in this one, put on a, like a final good performance here and head off to the NFL. as uh, kind of what people are expecting um, to happen there. Um, I like Oregon as well. I uh, have them winning 42 to 20. Uh, so I'll take the ducks there to cover that 17. Well, you're going to earn your money on this uh, next game because it is a a tough one to sell the people on. One o'clock ABC down there in Orlando. Should be nice in Orlando at Camping World Stadium. But you have two teams in Iowa and Tennessee. The Vols favored by eight and a half. I'll put it in there. An over and under of 36 and a half, I'm sure, is something that you it, it teased you a little bit. How do you see the Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day. Yeah, I did think about uh, uh, the under there in particular, about 35, like 36 and a half is how much of a difference there in terms of the number. It's just so low. Like, I get it. Like, Iowa plays a weird schedule. It's just so hard to go under and a total that's already so low. Um, but all Iowa games are weird, so I certainly understand why it is that low. Um, and this is kind of an interesting contrast in styles here. Tennessee really likes to use tempo. Iowa, obviously, the exact opposite. Um, so how are they going to match up and clash when you have those different styles there? Like I mentioned earlier, it's like typically um, the more defensive, slower-paced team kind of wins the tempo battle at the very least, might not win the actual game. Uh, but kind of, I was kind of looking into the metrics there, and Tennessee's defense doesn't tackle particularly well. Mm-hmm. So like the one game, the one thing that could be in Iowa's favor here um, is if Tennessee just throws up and it's a bowl game, they're playing Iowa, maybe they're not all that inspired. Um, do they want to tackle consistently against Iowa's offense? Because that will be a big factor in how this game plays out. I just really have no idea whether or not they're going to, but just strictly based on the total teams and just like looking at the offense, who's all missing for Iowa. They don't have a good offense, obviously, but uh, Petrus in the portal, Gabe McMahon not going to play Luke. Luke Lake G not going to play. Eric All not going to play. It's like, who's going to play for Iowa's offense? Cooper DeGene, obviously not playing either mm. for Iowa. So many question marks there for Iowa's offense. You have no idea who's going to play and who's not. I'm just going to take the volunteers just because uh, I think they have more overall team talent. Um, I got them winning 
21 to 10. Well, there's some games that we have pointed out that we really like. I would, on the opposite side, say this is one of the games I do not like. I would not encourage betting this game. I think this is going to be a tough one uh, to watch. And I feel like I'm a little bit biased. I'm, I'm biased against Joe Milton. I, I, I've never seen a, a player look more like a six foot five, cut out of granite, like a monster at the position, like uh, when he was at Michigan. And oh, yeah, he could throw the ball like the entire length of the field. But I mean, if you need a half yard, Joe Milton's not going to be able to lower his shoulder and get you a half yard. I just think I was going to be too tough on Joe Milton and crack the former Michigan QB. I'll take the eight and a half. Maybe Tennessee slides by 13 to 10 or something like that. One of these kind of games. But uh, I do like the under, but I will also take the eight and a half and take the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I'll be pulling for Iowa to, to win it outright. And I'll agree with uh, Scott. I like Cheez-Its. You know? <laughs> Who doesn't? They're pretty good. Okay, so this is now getting us to the two biggies. And we have Texas and Washington. This is the late game, but we'll get to the varsity game next in the Rose Bowl. Uh, The Longhorns favored by four and a half. It's a big over and under 63 and a half. How did you see the other semifinal that we in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans? Yeah, very interesting matchup here, in my opinion. Uh, Texas favored by four and a half. I think they are going to have the better offensive and defensive lines. I think they're going to have the advantage in the trenches. But if you're picking out probably the dream matchup among these four teams for Washington, it would be Texas. Because it's the biggest question mark in this playoff is probably Texas' secondary. They, they've they not been particularly good at passing, uh, stopping good passing offenses really all year. And then you look at Washington, they're like perfectly built to attack the weakness of that Longhorn defense. They got the trio of the star receivers. Romeo Dunze is a particularly big problem uh, for that Texas secondary. They got the star quarterback, Michael Penix, to be able to get them the football. I really like the way Washington's offensive line also held up against Oregon uh, in that Pac-12 title game. So while I do think Texas has the advantage in the trenches, I wonder if, if Washington can just kind of play their way to a standstill uh, in the trenches, kind of just if they're just even in the trenches, I think Washington will win this game. Um, the big question here is going to be, uh, can Texas get pressure on Penix with four? And so far, at least the teams that they've played, not a lot of teams have been able to do that to Penix. And when he's healthy and he's got all of his receivers healthy, like you expect them to be in this one, they've been really, really tough to stop. Um, and then Texas is secondary, just got too many holes, in my opinion. So I'm going to go Washington to win this game in an upset, 31 to 27. Uh, so I'll gladly take those plus four and a half points there. Well, it's like you, you were looking at my notes here. I like Washington outright as well. And the key will be a shaky horn secondary. They're very good against the run. But, you know, not only Odunze and Polk, the two outstanding, will be NFL wide receivers, but they got this McMillan back and you saw him in that Pac-12 championship game, he made a couple big catches. He might be as good as the other two. And with uh, Penix at the controls there, they could light up that Texas secondary. I like Washington to win this game outright. I am right with you. I don't even want the four and a half. So now that is going to take us to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, 5 o'clock, Michigan and Alabama, Michigan. 
says here, favored by two. I looked right uh, before we came on, one and a half or two, whatever you want to do there, 44 and a half. Uh, I did see that in a couple places. How about Michigan against Alabama? Yeah, so this is obviously uh, the game everybody's going to care about most who's listening. And it's it's also a very intriguing matchup on paper. There's just so many different ways that you can talk about and dissect this game. Um, from the betting perspective, I actually feel quite good about Michigan's chances in this game. The numbers have liked Michigan all year. Most of the advanced metrics has Michigan as the best team in the playoff and number one overall in the country. And despite the, the uh, heavy amount of the money going in uh, for the Crimson Tide so far, the spread has stayed pretty much right at that one and a half, two. Um, despite all the money coming in so far on the Crimson Tide, to me, that's a pretty good signal that Vegas feels confident in their projection of Michigan to be able to win and cover this spread here, the short spread. Um, then you look look at kind of like the football sense, the X's and O's. I'm just so fascinated to watch um, this Alabama defense against the Michigan offense. Just what exactly is Sharon Moore going to have cooked up? Special in this game. Um, just of my quick rewatches of the Alabama-Auburn game and some of their other games so far this year, they kind of struggle with motions, uh, defending motions. Uh, so you get a guy like Roman Wilson uh, involved in motions, might be able to get him a free release and get him into the secondary there. Um, and then the tight ends, a lot of people have talked about this, but Colson Loveland, A.J. Barner are two of the best tight ends in the country. Um, I think they're going to be able to have a big game in the middle of the field uh, for against Alabama's secondary. Terry and Arnold and um, Malachi Moore, a couple good, really, uh, really good defensive players there for Bama in the secondary, but they are at corner. Uh, or it's kind of the strength of their passing defense is defending outside. So I think if you can get Roman Wilson off of motion, maybe in a slot, get Colson Loveland um, and AJ Barner running up the seams, I think the tight ends, and they're going to be able to have enough success there uh, to keep deep Alabama's defense honest. Um, and then when Michigan's defense is on the field, I really believe it's the best defense in the country. I think they're going to be able to find a way to keep Milrow's legs contained enough and force him to make a mistake or two with his arm in this game. Um, I got Michigan winning 27 to 24 and another nail biter, uh, but I do have them winning and advancing uh, to play Washington in the national title game. Well, you and I are on the same page in this one. You know, yesterday it was, uh, I hope you had a great, everyone had a great Christmas and, and you as well, Lucas, uh, as I was, Going through the day, I was checking in on some NFL games. Didn't really get a chance to really sit down and watch many of them, but I did the late game, high-powered San Francisco offense, and I'm watching the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson pretty much sealed up the MVP. But the story of the game last night was the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens in Mike McDonald and the, the defense that he has put out there. And statistically, if you like things like DVOA, the Ravens don't only have the best defense in the uh, NFL this year, right up top them and San Francisco, but historically they have one of the best defenses and Jesse Minner, his pal, uh, these guys are carbon copies in Mike McDonald. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about a lot of other things, obviously, but really Minter and McDonald, this defense that they deploy, each player having three or different assignments that they can go after on any given play, and the flexibility, uh, this amoeba-type defense that they play isn't being talked about enough. Michigan is the number one scoring defense in the country. And I also think a big key in this game is that J.J. McCarthy is at a full month of rest. And, oh, yeah, so is Will Johnson. You can make a case that Michigan's got a lot of good players. There's going to be a lot of great players on this field. 
But McCarthy and Johnson, these are two of the best players. And they were a little bit nicked up. I don't know if they'll be 100%, but they'll be a lot better being able to uh, get treatment for a month. And that's why I like Michigan. Like, sure, Milrow can make some plays, but I like McCarthy better than Milrow. Alabama's got a real nice defense, and Saban can dial up a lot of different things. But Michigan right now, it, it's almost like they're being under. So they're not talked about enough on the defensive side, which is uh, a little bit strange because it's the hype of Alabama. Everybody gets, oh, Alabama, Alabama. No, it's Michigan. It's Michigan. I like Michigan to win this game as well. I've uh, I've changed my score from a week or two ago. Right now, I am looking at Michigan 27 and Alabama 20. That's where I'm at. They both like Michigan there. That's, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, have a uh, great rest of the bowl season. Uh, happy holidays, Lucas. And, uh, you know, sharpening the edge. Uh, we. If your trajectory continues, people that are watching this, they will they will go with you and fade me. So we'll have to see because we are at opposite ends. But hopefully towards New Year's Day, we started agreeing a lot more on some of the selections. So uh, early on, good luck. And then, you know, um, the both of us, you know, on the same page late. That's the way I see it. Great job. Absolutely. Go Blue. Let's uh, hope we're playing for national title a week from uh, uh, after this game. If they do that, we'll be on here and handicap that game, won't we? For sure. I'll be here. Thanks for watching. We'll talk with you on this same feed tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And good afternoon.